Science. Hello, happy 2018, <laughs> and welcome to Probably Science. My name's Andy Wood. Hey, Andy, I'm Matt Kirshen. How were everyone's holidays? They're good. I'm back in England. Uh, I was back in England. back in England. I'm currently a little bit jet lagged, hence the fact that I managed to get the wrong tense of that sentence. <laughs> Uh, so you celebrated Boxing Day because they do Boxing Day. There. We we did celebrate Boxing Day. Is there a war on Boxing Day? Can you still say Happy Boxing Day? Yeah, Boxing people Day? trying to make you say Happy Day After Holidays. <laughs> You're supposed to say Merry Pugilism Time. <laughs> but no, it, I don't. I still don't, can't remember why. I did know at some point why it's called Boxing Day. But it's, uh, been... it's, it's about giving boxes to the servants. I know all about this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Re- re-gifting things you were given? Uh, no, it's, just uh, physical boxes. It's the day for your servants is the next day, so you give them presents, and then they're in boxes. So it's but why weren't gift. your presents in boxes on Christmas Day? Well, they were. Okay. But so I, every, every, gift, every gift day is a boxing well, day. Well, you use your good boxes for your family on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. And then you can re-box. That's what I... Okay, yeah. It's, re, it's a re-gifting day. Yeah. It's, it's re-boxing of the... I don't know. It does just feel like you're... It feels like it's Christmas for servants, but they're not allowed to celebrate Jesus. It's like, we all... We gave presents. They were in boxes. We did all the same right. shit yeah. we did the day before, but we're even going to call it Christmas. Just know That's that, not okay. Just know that Jesus thinks you're a dick because you're getting to him one day late. Yeah, yeah, Jesus was that. big into class distinctions, I think, wasn't yeah. he? Into, like, uh, keeping hired help separate He from, was pretty posh, I yeah, think, if... Yeah. Hey, we've got um, the return, a dream team, mm-hmm. a power guest yeah. couple, yeah. old Ooh, favorites, yeah. returning to the show, standbys, good folks. Standby, standby sounds like Stand- a backtrack from the rest of those. Yeah. Available. I feel like uh, like the what George Siegel used to be the t- to the Tonight Show. Like when they needed a guy, they just called George Siegel. George Siegel was the, I would have thought maybe like um, um, who was the, well a lot of people. It. George Goble also fit that bill. Uh, who is the straight man from Clifford? He was the great seven. Uh, Gro- Groden. Groden. <laughs> there were no straight men. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, Charles, Charles Groden. Charles yeah. Groden. He's a go-to. I'm, I'm, I'm Charles uh, Groden. Okay. I'm a hundred percent positive it was just people who lived within a one mile radius of Burbank. Yeah. At that time, like, because even if you think about it, you can't just text someone and say, hey, Johnny's not going to come in today. So really, the amount of time it takes to get a hold of someone and get them physically to the Burbank studio, whoever was the Tonight Show fill-in, was purely an adjacency move. Right. It would have been a good career move then just to move. Why didn't people move I'm to I'm pretty sure David <laughs> Brenner, yeah, got yeah. a house right near there. Those are the voices of Augie Smith and TJ Chambers. Hello, everybody. Hey, yeah. thanks for having hey, me back. Man. It's been quite some time, actually. Yeah. This is a... A nice return for me, if not for the fans, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. we're all involved. Yeah. Well, welcome back. How were your respective Christ holidays? Pretty low key. Pretty good. I stayed in town, did a nice fancy dinner on New Year's Eve, but Ooh. tried to avoid as much of the hullabaloo. I I I I literally ate a seafood tower that was like most of the sea. Like it was <laughs> very like like the flounder from Little Mermaid. It was very <laughs> overly. And 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 I and I Instagrammed it, and it was like I capped off 2017 with the most like, like a heavily filtered picture of me and the most expensive food item I've eaten all year. Probably changing, there was a coelacanth the, in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> also the changing the biodynamics of the ocean. Right, right. Changing the, the whole situation of endangered species. Right, right. Yeah. right. yeah. yeah. So nice that was word. that was the end of my year. Yeah, I had bottomless sushi, which I haven't had in forever. That's my that's my favorite thing. I forget that that is sometimes, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's a thing that you can do. But then, do you find mm-hmm. yourself just like forcing it? I mean, sushi. I didn't one of those- even overdo it. I was just like, this is great. No, because it's hard to, it's hard to do that with sushi. It's not like a yeah. sort of 
It's not like when you go to the Chinese all you can eat. Right, yeah. Or the Ugh. breakfast one at a restaurant, like at a Is hotel. A breakfast? Oh, okay. I'm just oh, picturing yeah. like endless cereal. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the toast you can eat. <laughs> These guys are making a killing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's 50 bucks a head, but... Oops, all berries. You can have as much cereal or toast as you like, and they have over three spreads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you're right. Sushi, it's hard. It's, it's hard to go too too much on it. It was really good. Yeah, it's a place in Santa Monica called Fig. Have you guys been there? I don't know Fig. Really good. Recommend it highly if you're out in Santa Monica. Very traditional so, sushi place name. I mean, it's not even. It was all everything, but that was the highlight. Was the sushi spread. Keeping along with this topic, uh, I started my uh, Christmas by going to my fourth funeral of Ooh. the year. Four funerals. That's a lot of funerals in one year. That's one. Per I quarter. feel like a like a like an old guy at the end of a tontine or yeah. something. I'm just. Did you at least for- go to one wedding so you can claim a reverse Richard <laughs> you Curtis? Need, you would need twelve to make the ratio work out. <laughs> <laughs> And this is a thing. And 16? Wait, how many weddings per funeral when, are there? It was four weddings. Four weddings per funeral. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. so I'd have to go to a lot of weddings. So we call that a I'm, Curtis I'm gonna Richard. I'm going to have to get to know a lot more 24-year-olds. The, uh, <laughs> for, for so many reasons. <laughs> so many reasons. <laughs> Relevancy, not the least of which among them. When I was young, it seemed like nobody died. Right? <laughs> when I was time. young, like I, there was like two people that died. And now there's like a dozen people See, that die every year. See, I went year the other way because I, I was Irish Catholic, like back east. Right. So when I was young and still near my family, everybody died constantly. Really? And it was big funeral. I mean, talking the whole church and the thing and, and a two-day wake and all that stuff. And I haven't been to one of those in a long time. Now it's just a semi-tragic Someone in the thirties, something happened, and we all, right. yeah. you know, you see, pour, the, you pour see it the off fa- your homie and move on. But. You read about it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes I give to a GoFundMe. You know, <laughs> it's a new time, but I, I, I'm not to make light. I'm very sorry if you're here, and that's a yeah, tough. What, can you talk about any of these? No, this, it's uh, just. Uh, do you want to talk? About you get to an age. This is what is it, you just get to an age, right. and we're getting to that age yeah. where people start dying. It's almost as they just start dying. Age is inversely correlated with the likelihood someone is still alive. Oh, we're gonna get so many emails <laughs> now about. <laughs> about how that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> I just, it feels like, you know, when you're young, right? There's like, I can tell you that the three funerals I went to before I was 20. And now I, I don't even know the names of half of these people I'm going to. <laughs> you just show up. You're like, so who you, are the f- people that are making you go to these? Well, these were all, uh, these were all uh, close family members. It's oh. been a tough year. Been I'm a sorry. tough year around well, the house. They, they usually give you, though, um, like if you're going to a funeral, someone you don't really know their name, they usually will pass out right there, but also the newspaper will print like a real small version of the Wikipedia page. So that's cool, because then you kind of have it. There's, there's another name for it or something, I guess. No, no, no I think it's called a mini It's called wiki. a mini Wikipedia page, a mini wiki. wiki. So you go and you start, like, Aunt Phyllis died, let's read the mini wiki, so we all know what to talk about. Oh, yeah, did you have to do time at these at all, Hog? Did you? Uh, I did. Uh, I put together a couple good stories. Okay. You know, you find a nice story from somebody's life that mm-hmm. has, uh, and if it isn't good, you add to it. I embellished a little bit. Right. How much? How much sex can you work into a, an anecdote at a funeral? Well, it how depends on who you you're talking about. Like these were my aunts, okay. so quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, quite they were the sexy aunts. Yeah, they, they were divorcees, and you know okay. how they are. Andy. Okay, yeah, I'm just picturing the Simpsons. <laughs> They're wanting women. Uh, yeah. Les Scandell. Yeah. <laughs> Patty and Thelma. No, what are the names of the? That sounds right. On Simpsons, I should one of them is definitely Selma. Selma. Patty and Th- yeah. Selma. Yeah. Is it really? Uh-huh. Oh, and the one is it Selma that's been married nine times? 
to, I, to like every every uh, supporting character. Every, right, right, right. Oh yeah, definitely oh, it was right, the principal right, right. at one point. I don't uh, know. I then I remember Disco they. Disco Stu. She was married to Disco Stu. Then they marched across the bridge and racism was fixed. Well, then, okay. anyway, let's pour out some some space beer. Yeah. Yeah, we got space beer. <laughs> yeah. Thank you too. I forgot how this even came across. Maybe we just they saw tweet. a tweet. They no, tweeted they tweeted at us. At us. Okay. Yeah, Ninkasi, a great microbrewery up in Oregon. Uh, they have this beer called Ground Control. I know it's not pronounced Oregon, you guys. Um, an imperial stout that, can we legally say it's been to space? It's part of the Ninkasi space program. It's, uh, it's brewed with hazelnuts, uh, cocoa nibs, ale, and ale yeast that has been sent to space. Mm-hmm. Oh, the yeast and has been the, sent yeah, to space. Yeah, it would be too, it'd be prohibitive to send. I would and think, aged uh, in Woodford Reserve barrels, I believe, so it's got a nice bourbon that's finish That's weird. You well. wouldn't think they'd do a lot of baking in space, but I guess they do if they need yeast up there. They, do, they need it. They need it. Uh, I believe it was, okay, it's a 10% alcohol. Guys, be careful with this. Um, it's practically rocket fuel. You could go back, send it back to space. I think this is sort of a, uh, let's see, they said seven years after they started brewing in Oregon, they decided the sky was not the limit. One year, mm-hmm. two rockets and countless lab hours later, we successfully launched a payload of brewer's yeast into outer space with the help of rocket scientists. Well, here's after, my verdict so far, having uh-huh. tried a bit. Bullshit gimmick, but relatively nice beer. Oh, yeah, the beer's yeah, great. Nice I mean, what is, it's a good beer. Yeah. I don't think that the space aspect changed the flavor of it, but it's got some cool <laughs> packaging, mm-hmm. and you can say you're tasting a little bit of... Space. I they didn't say how high their rocket went. I don't know which definition. We were talking about the various like gradations of uh, when you can legally say. I think right. you only have to go about like five miles or something, if that, right? No, 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 wait. Didn't that one guy Planes from Red fly... Bull actually jump from space? Like, back Yeah, to the but he Earth? wasn't the first. There was Joseph Kittinger back in the day was almost that high. Project Excelsior. And that's and that's balloon. considered space. That was space, yeah. Um, wait, so planes are about what thirty five, forty thousand, seven, eight for, for, miles for an average, yeah. So I think maybe twelve miles or something. You're already in some definition of space. Some definition of space. I don't know, but it's cool. Thank you, Ninkasi. Why are we undercutting this free beer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a beautiful beer, tasty. And uh, I think that the most asshole rich guy thing you could do in LA was to only drink liquids that have been in space. Yeah, that's what I do. That's my Get new all the white tigers you want when you're only space liquids. That's so you're dying of thirst. <laughs> Is that space water? God, I can totally Would you like see. Still or sparkling or space? Bring, can we bring check, me the space penicillin? Can we check one of the Paltrow's site right now? Because I bet she's on oh, a space. Oh, she's selling some space right stuff. Now. Goop for sure. Goopy loves that space drinks. Yeah, this is a nice beer. I want to try some of their non. I want to try some of their terrestrial. Some of the terrestrial. Beverages. Yeah, they're they're a really good, really great uh, brewery up there in uh, based in Bend. Eugene. 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 I, I I think it's going to go subterranean next. Oh, we're, we're going under, too far into. You oh know, yeah, I want to find find a beer that the Molochs have fucked right. with. I want <laughs> I want some chud beer. <laughs> Give me some chud beer. Get right down in there. Oh, speaking of Chug, can we do a little plug? Oh, we should do a little plug. 2018 brings with with it uh, the launch of the the long-awaited Twinsies podcast TG and I do. I guess we, the first episode went up a week or two ago. Uh, episode two comes out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, episode one was about gremlins and ghoulies. So Classic the idea of the films. podcast called is twins. that First it's of all, it's called two twinsies. movies that are similar. Twin films usually came out uh, around the same time, mm-hmm. very thematically similar to the point that like you're like, oh, something was going on here. There was probably right. some communication. Uh, we did a soft open with Gremlins and Ghoulies, which isn't the best thing. You can't jump right into... You know Dante's Peak. Yeah, you don't, yeah, you don't want to blow your load on the classics. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Deep Impact Armageddon. So we'll get to those. It's called Twinsies. So please, uh, if you guys could look it up wherever you get your 
your podcast and subscribe. We'd appreciate it. And yes, there already is a podcast called Twinsies, but that's so meta, isn't it? That there are now two podcasts called Twinsies. Twinsies. Is yeah. it about the same thing? No, but I, I, I think we it's two guys who are actual twins. We who had just talk about twins. It really no, is. They're talking about like the movie. Twins. No, they're not actual twins. They're, oh, really? They, oh, they're like sorry, guys. Sports enthusiasts. Sorry, I don't think fellas. you'll confuse these two podcasts when you look at. Yeah, we were going to change the name, but we had already recorded before those guys started theirs. We'd already done all this like work on it, mm-hmm. and then I also realized there are literally six podcasts on iTunes called Talk Nerdy to Me, and no one's raising flags about that. So I think it's okay if there mm-hmm. are two. Yeah. Twinsies. Well, plus so. when our Twinsies cro- has a crossover episode with those guys, yeah. we can just call it Quattrozies and we'll Quattro-Z's. be all set. Quattrozies, yep. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, you know what else is alike? What? Monkeys and deer. Oh, yeah. Ooh. How so, man? Snow monkeys and seeker deer specifically. Tell us more. They've been fucking. No. Kind of. <sighs> Numerous people <laughs> sent in this story. I, I know Justin Broad was one of them. Uh, I, know, I know my girlfriend showed me this story over Christmas. For a oh. holiday treat, because it is How it is festive. snow monkeys and seeker deer, which I think is the it's a very Christmassy pairing. Um, sexual interactions between snow monkeys and seeker deer could be a new. Is it pronounced seeker s i k a deer? Let's say, let's say seeker. Is a new sure. could be a new behavioral tradition within a group of monkeys observed in Japan. Researchers have suggested. Uh, I don't always, know why. Again, numerous Japan. listeners to this show thought this was an appropriate. Yeah, this story is to not send on us. Um, while the first reports of a male Japanese macaque or snow monkey and female seeker deer talking to each other was revealed earlier this year, looks like talking's progressed a bit. Yeah. Scientists say they are now confident the behavior is sexual after scrutinizing adolescent females suggestively interacting with stags okay. at Minu in Japan. The monkey-deer sexual interactions reported in our paper may reflect the early stage development of a new behavioral tradition says Dr. Noel Gunstleka, co-author of the study. Interspecies sex, calling it a tradition, a little grandiose. Yeah. <laughs> That's it did, just tradition. It did feel like they were searching for a word. That... Um, while sexual interactions between closely related species have been seen for all manner of animals, from various species of fish to species of baboon, such liaisons are rare, with a sexual assault of king penguins by Antarctic fur seals, the only other known example between distant species. There's a little gem for you in the middle of that story. Yeah. That's, is, but it's an assault? Apparently it is. That, this is oh, an assault. Whereas this seems God. more consensual. Earlier this year, a study revealed a male Japanese macaque had been filmed mounting a female seeker deer at Yakushima Island in southern Japan. Gunstleka said it wasn't clear quite what was going on. <laughs> they were dealing with a single anecdotal event between one individual monkey and one individual deer, and the description they provided was short, vague, and out of context. As a result, even the sexual nature of this interaction was not clearly demonstrated. Wait, wait, the description was short, vague enough. Was it like, they're sharing a special hug? Was it like, <laughs> the way parents are? When two species are yeah. in love. Um, it's, the, it's the boy monkey and the girl deer? Or the girl monkey? Yeah, does. that matters a lot. Don't we? We all think that, that matters. to me. Right? Well, yeah. hold tight. In this latest study published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior. Sure. Oh, yeah, the ASP. Sure. By the way, I got a few uh, write-ups in that last year. Oh. <laughs> Don't want to brag, but uh, uh. I, was, uh, I was mounting a deer. But Gunzlecker and colleagues described how they sought to unpick whatever the inte- whether the intentions were indeed carnal. So to investigate, the team recorded the behavior of snow monkeys at Minu, north of Osaka. With only adolescent female monkeys spotted mounting deer, the team compared the interactions to sexual interactions between adolescent female monkeys. The latter is a well-known practice and the only available comparison, as during the study, adolescent females were not seen performing sexual mounts on adult male monkeys. 
In total, the team recorded 12 successful interactions between monkeys involving six adolescent females between November uh, 2012 and January 2013. So that's a three-month period, with a total of 67 mounts by the monkeys. In addition, 13 successful interactions of apparently sexual nature were recorded between monkeys and deer between early November 2014 and January 2015, involving five adolescent females and a total of 258 mounts. Whoa. Whoa. That's a lot of mounts. More mounts than the Andes, huh, guys? (laughs) Don't say that in front of one of the Andes. (laughs) It's my business. More mounts than Andy. Okay. Uh... Analysis of the animal's behavior revealed no clear difference between the adolescent female snow monkeys and other females or deer when it came to how often they sought such attentions, mounted their partners, how long they spent on their partners, or even their orientation. Although, as expected, monkeys more often undertook sitting mounts on deer than uh, than on other monkeys. Okay, you said their orientation. So we're dealing with both gay and straight monkeys. I think they're talking about physical orientation, like which way up they are. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure. Unexpectedly, I'm just so liberal. I know. <laughs> Unexpectedly, I'll, I'll give you so quick to be like, but I'm okay with it. I want you to know, if the monkeys are fucking the deer, I'm totally okay Whatever with it. They're fucking. This, yeah. that's their own thing. Uh, <laughs> as long as they don't come around me with that. <laughs> Unexpectedly, pelvic thrusting was more common when the partner was a deer. <laughs> okay. See, that's where it gets dangerous. Just from, from, for at least, uh, uh, and uh, size and I, I still can't quite picture these. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a video. Okay. Oh, there is. Oh. With no monkey-deer sexual interactions previously having been noticed at Minu, the team say that the behavior could be the start of a new custom, adding that adolescent females would watch each o- watch others on the backs of the deer and then try to take their place. Mm. Dr. Cedric Sir at the University of Strasbourg, who's a co-author of the study, said the monkey-deer liaisons may be a nascent relationship. It is maybe a new or innovative behavior that can be socially transmitted and will spread, he said. <laughs> Monkeys do this so according to the so he's sex in the, ratio. He's and the Mike Pence side <laughs> of this thing. <laughs> I know, it's a slippery slope. If not we stopped need, now. We need monkey-deer conversion therapy. Yeah. If monkeys do this according to the sex ratio at the reproductive season, if females cannot have access to the males, they can have homosexual relations or relations with a deer. Lady monkeys doing it for themselves. I know, that's what happens. You let gay monkeys happen, they'll be <laughs> pretty humping deer next. You mark my words. The team also found that the adolescent females emitted high-pitched calls at the deer while gazing at them, and through tantrums, including body spasms and screams, if the deer walked away, mm-hmm. as they do when engaged in sexual interactions with other monkeys. The successful sexual interactions ob- observed involved a male deer, with the majority involving an adult male, two female deer, and three young males courted by the monkeys simply reared up, unseating them. Also... Heterospecific mounts between Japanese macaques and seeker deer have not been observed outside their coinciding mating seasons. While it's unclear why the animals would engage in such behavior, Gunther Lecker says there were several possibilities, including adolescent females practicing for sex with other monkeys, uh, that it offers a females a sec- safer way of engaging in sexual behavior than hooking up with aggressive male monkeys, mm-hmm. or that adolescent females are often rejected by adult male monkeys, mm. leaving them at a loss for partners of their own species. God. I know. This is... You could be writing about Hollywood right now. Everything going on. Is it at least not... It was a huge sigh of relief when it sounded like 
the way you were saying it was that sounds like the, the women females are doing were being aggressive. They're the aggressors. I was yeah. like, guys, we're off. We, we we got one. We got one in our corner. Just yeah. go. We're only you. losing one billion eight hundred fifty six thousand <laughs> to one now. T- TJ, let's do a scene. You be the deer, mm. uh, like romantically calling uh, TJ. Don't monkey. fall for this. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, <laughs> and I'll be the monkey. You be the deer. Hey, girl. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had. (laughs) It was like I was there. Since snow monkeys had also been spotted riding secret deer with no clear sexual agenda. The little cowboy hat. (laughs) No clear sexual agenda, but to get from point A to point B. Solid agenda. The animals and adorability agenda. (laughs) The animals are often found at the same sites as the deer eat food left by monkeys as they forage. It's also possible that adolescent females have developed a taste for the genital stimulation. Okay. Sure. Gunslecker added, future observations at this site will indicate whether this group-specific sexual oddity was a short-lived fad or the beginning of a culturally maintained phenomenon. The I'm author's just so note. bummed it's the female monkeys because now I can't make my Curious George joke. <laughs> You're... You could have by Curious George. Yeah, well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I have a be. feeling that's yeah. where it was going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And now a female monkey can't be named George. Is that what's? Oh, that's, is yeah, that what's going on? By curious Georgina is like joking the joke though. It's yeah, too far, I, I think, know some yeah. female Georges. Okay, okay fine. It, the joke stands. <laughs> Overruled or maintained. Let the record show. Yeah, I love that. Clearly, in England, George is Sustained. such a positive name that it's like yeah. nonchalantly. Matt was like, "I know female Georges, of yeah. course." Yeah, come to Old Blady. Every third person is named George. Are they? Spe- is it spelled like uh, J E O or some weird? Uh, like Jordy, isn't Jordy? Like Jordy the Forge. Jordy the Forge is still a G. No, no, still a G. G e o r d i e. Oh, I'm uh, real. I'm reasonably confident. Yeah. Go ahead. And uh, you, you got. You've got. Go ahead and tweet at probably gonna, science. Gonna, yeah, your Star Trek knowledge. Ooh, ooh. Off topic, but have you guys uh, watched all of Black Mirror? I just I watched the first two last night. I've watched none of it. None of it. Mm-hmm. No, we shouldn't talk about it then. Liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. Okay, right. What were you gonna say? Though you the, look lost in thought. No, because the the snow monkey. So they they ride the deer, so they know that the deer are utilitarian. Otherwise, outside of just fucking them. Well, I, so do they view the deer as an like animal the, to be used? I feel like the ride in that sense was that they're was it? on their back, giving them a, not really <laughs> transportation not wasn't necessarily in a direction. right, 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 and, uh, right. <laughs> you've you've ridden a woman, Augie. Did well, you get anywhere? But Did you, well, you're transported. I'm just a little bit because other this than emotionally. Is how the Planet of the Apes started this way with okay. monkeys riding horses. Yeah. Oh, I see. And if oh, they team I up with see. deer now, and oh, these are snow true. monkeys, so they're they're used to colder weather, so they're going to be even fiercer. Oh, hardier. Yeah. By, by the way, that story also sent in by listener Nell Five G. No name signed at the bottom of that, but mm. thanks, Nell Five G. Actual science question: You guys have done this podcast hundreds and hundreds of times. We have. You, you this whole article. I only heard a quote from one guy. This one guy. What was the name of the Gunstlika? Gunstlika. There, 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 there were two scientists. There were two scientists at least. Okay. Co-authors of this. Story. I was hearing a lot of Gunstlika. I'm just also Cedric Sir. Okay. Okay. They both sound like made-up names. I just want corroboration in, in in these, is what I mean. I want more than one guy who observed one grainy footage of a right. thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and that he's now calling a tradition. You know, let's get a he's second. He's like, the, wood, the name Gunslinka <laughs> long <laughs> Resonated in the halls of... Oh, there is video. Yeah. Oh, okay, look at this. You guys go, oh, go that's to probablyscience.com or, or click on the show notes of this episode. Oh, you that's... Oh, so we're seeing a monkey on, side of, on top of a deer. Monkey on a deer. And this is a male deer. He's got a full rack. 
This and it's yeah. a female monkey, and they're just hanging out. Is that right? I gotta if say, isn't, if a deer isn't moving, I owe Augie an apology. This looks more like transportation riding than I. That is just a monkey riding a deer. It's a okay. monkey riding well, a deer. Okay. Oh, we're but off. There was some. There was some pelvic was some... thrusting, even though the monkey was on the back of the deer. Okay. I yeah, it's um... it's kind of hard to do it the way that they are. I don't know. Andy, okay, that seems like an intent. That, that's that's that seems like intent. That thrusting. Was yeah. there a uh, just out of curiosity an ad that played before this video? Because I really hope there was. <laughs> I hope, What's the company? I hope you had to watch 15 <laughs> seconds of information about the new Google Home Mini <laughs> right. before you were able to about how much. I okay, can save now that is on that, Geico. look at that. Yeah. Now that monkey is going after that deer, but maybe it's just like because. I, I would ma- imagine the monkey's grabbed. Okay, ma- now this is getting the monkey just grabbed, grabbed the deer's grabbed antlers. The that was a hair pull. That was yeah. a, and the deer was fine with it. Absolutely fine with that's, it. There's, there's probably an urban dictionary term for for what's happening here. Yeah. Oh, here comes another monkey. Oh, this Second is about to get in, weird. Huh? This is about to get weird. <laughs> yeah. Wait, the one they just high fived. The monkey just high fived. Is that considered an A-frame, what we just saw there? Is that... <laughs> oh, 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 they're switching off. switching off. This is... These are some horny monkeys. But, okay, but if these are girl monkeys... Uh, so here's my theory. Yes. Uh, it'd be very hard, I think, for monkeys to masturbate because they got those horrible little hands and everything. Oh, I think and they're usually the clinging species. to life by wherever they're hanging on to, okay. right? Okay. So you got this nice, round, uh, soft thing that you can jump on. Oh, that's right. perfect for masturbating. Mm-hmm. So you like you thrust on that. So it's just that's like a pillow. So they're just so looking they're, at their... Right. Uh, yeah. They're looking at their dumb, opposable thumbed hands and going, whatever will I do with these? Right. And then just now... Then they see this walking in, dildo. In November 2013 a... was when they finally figured out <laughs> something to do about it. Yeah. All right. A new custom. Right. Yeah, the, hey, we didn't do something until we did it. Uh, you know? Yeah. The, <laughs> I'm not entirely positive that video wasn't shot in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> <laughs> they would have had to wear condoms if it was here, though. <laughs> if you zoom uh, in yeah, close yeah, enough. Change the laws on that one. <laughs> he said woefully in a way that worries me. <laughs> oh, sure, we get changing tables, but... It actually makes uh, monkeys less safe. <laughs> sure, sure. Ironically. It's like football helmets. They can just <laughs> they can just hit each other harder at that point. Well, All right. Uh, is, is that... Does that... Yeah. I think that, that does it for the monkey sex. Oh, yeah. uh, but here's what we didn't hit on. Uh, so when I was on my way back from my fourth funeral, uh, I saw the, the rocket. I saw the... the oh, the, yeah. The the SpaceX. the Planet X the SpaceX. Oh yeah, rocket. we were out of town that day. We were we were in Colorado with Holly's family. We were in Colorado, then London this Christmas. So we missed. We saw the pictures. I saw everyone going crazy about what's this thing in the sky. Well, this is the thing. We were because I looked at it on Google. We were 150 miles or so as the crow flies, uh-huh. and we saw it great, just perfectly in the sky. And I, so most of California and right, Southern California, right. which is a pretty highly populated yeah. place, all saw this. So, if, if hey, don't assholes, know about this, if, how wait, about a goddamn heads up that it looks like the world's about to end right. when we got seen... Captain Crazy Pants in charge yeah. and there could be missiles yeah. going off at any right. point. And it happens to launch from Vandenberg, yeah. which is, so, of course. It was, right. It was, it, the, it, it's interesting because in all my years on this earth, I remember a time in the, when I was very young in the mid 80s where there was... There were drills, uh, you sure. know, nuclear weapon drills. Sure. There seemed to be some palpable sense of real. But short of that, this was the first time that I can imagine looking up, seeing what you saw in the sky, mm-hmm. which, as you know, Andy will remind listeners, was a pretty impressive well, it's just, sky also, display. If it, had, of, if it had been an hour later or an hour earlier, it wouldn't have looked. Wouldn't like matter at all. It was, it was the sun had just set, but yeah. it was high enough that the sun was hitting. It was catching and catching lighting up. That. Yeah, yeah. So then it, oh, it, up was, the whole it was unbelievable. And I've I would, never yeah. seen anything like it. And before. I would say that approximately 13 million people around Southern California shrugged and went, "Yeah, probably nuclear <laughs> war. Seems right." 
When that I better tweet this. Jumpy McFuck six in a tweet. Yeah. What's uh, just, my joke going to be? Just yeah. so everyone's aware of what we're talking about. So there was, there was a SpaceX launch, and I think it was a Falcon Heavy, which is their biggest rocket as well. Uh, and it was it, ex- it was over at Los Angeles, and it looked f- like a very strange thing in the yeah, sky. Yeah, there was a multi-stage, you know, like I say, it wasn't just sort I of a, it, I think a trail the, coming behind it. I think it was the th- the landing, it was the re-landing that, looked, that people saw. Oh, was it maybe? Oh. But no. I could be wrong. Well, you definitely saw two things separate, and then a stage that was left behind had uh, sort of concentric circles emanating from it and seemed to stop cutting across the sky. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last time I saw something like this was uh, November 2015. There was that Trident missile, which was way higher altitude, and it and it behaved a lot differently. It wasn't like even going in a straight line, and that freaked me out because I was right. out of cell phone range, and I was like, what? I've never seen mm. anything like this. At least that was cutting a path across the sky that seems rocket-like. Although the stage behind it was weird sure. behaving. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm bummed I missed it. I, I was just in a movie, I think. And there's there's got to be a way to let us know. I mean, you drive along that road. They tell you where every goddamn bowl of pea soup is. I know how, where to get cherries in 10 miles, but I don't know that the soup world... Anderson's gets so much free highway... Uh, it's just where every... It's just like people drive around, it's like, where can soup? I get pea soup? That's yeah. what people are constantly thinking. And they t- finally tapped into it. Well, a lot of people don't know that the American freeway system was actually a civic project undertaken by the government to help people access pea soup. Really? It was, it was, it was really coming out of the 40s and 50s. <laughs> Those pea soup Andersons were already there. There was just no way to access them. That was them. exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I, I would think use those highway signs that you use to say like uh, right. accident ahead, yeah, be like yeah. oh. rocket going off. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, Calm you down. know, you know who doesn't need highway signs? Who's uh, that? Bees. Oh, you knew? I did know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, apparently, bees can solve the famous traveling salesperson problem. Do you guys know about the traveling salesperson problem? No. Well, Sean Roberts. You got to sleep in the farmer's house without right. having but sex with his daughter. Uh. With his daughter. There's three holes in this the wall. <laughs> but wait, is it is it like the Monty Hall conundrum or something? I maybe? think it's a combination of three mm-hmm. card three card Monty, which is unrelated to Monty Hall. Yeah, wow. and yet there are three doors to pick on Monty Hall's show. Right. Wait. Huh. Wow. Uh, We're through the looking glass here, yeah. people. The traveling sales, uh, the tra- traveling salesperson problem, as it's now way to be appropriate, more appropriately right. named. So that for because women too can do a job that doesn't exist anymore <laughs> in today's culture. So let's make sure we name it properly. Well, it also has it also has value when you're designing things like computer networks and any kind of network or uh, and transport network. Basically, it's it's the problem is given a list of cities and the distances between each pair of cities. What is the shortest possible route that visits every city and returns the origin one? So, in other words. Um, you've got this network of this network around the country. You have to hit, you have to hit every one of these locations. Mm-hmm. What is the shortest possible time that, that you can visit all of the cities and get home? I've spent I spent my entire adult life doing this exact thing, right. going gig to gig, going figuring out how to work out like with well, my atlas. And you're telling me bees figured this shit out? But not only that, also it's a really hard on a surface. It sounds like a thing that should be relatively easy to write an algorithm to solve, but it's or ridiculously complicated for a simple sounding problem. Is right. That, is that correct, Matt? Would you say? Yeah, it, it is. It's it's a famous uh, NP, what's called an NP hard problem, uh, non polynomial time solution. In other words, there's no there's no quick way. I mean, a, a, there's no quick way for a computer to solve it. Right. Um, to just say, here's the list of cities. Now go. Yeah, even with all the distance data, yeah, it's right. It's, uh, is yeah, MP hard is a. Uh, 
non-deterministic polynomial time hardness. In computational complexity theory, uh, it's at least as hard as the hardest problems in MP. More precisely, a problem H is NP hard uh, when every problem L in MP can be reduced. Oh, this is getting too complicated. Uh, <laughs> I do want some hip-hop lyrics to at some point say that someone's so sexy that you make me NP hard. Right. That would, right? Oh, I is, thought you were going to I thought you were going to say I'm, I'm I got NP hard watching those monkey videos. Yeah, yeah exactly. You're down with NPH. No, okay. Base, basically, you, yeah, 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 you know <laughs> face. All right. Basically, any way of any any computer algorithm set to solve it will take a very long time to do yeah. it. Okay. That's a that's a very cut down version of it. So yeah, back to bees, who by the way are just amazing. Bees are great. If they didn't sting you, they'd be like perfect. So the flight of a bumblebee becomes more efficient over time. A research team led by Joseph Woodgate of the Biological and Experimental Psychology Department at Queen Mary in London used a harmonic radar tracking system to study bee navigation following the insect's flight paths within a set of artificial flowers. They discovered that bees are in a continual process of optimizing their routes over time. Until now, scientists have studied bee movements by looking at the length of their flights as well as where they land. No prior study created a brand new environment to follow bees continuously as they navigate it. The researchers say that the new tracking technology enabled them to track the insects while they were learning new paths, collecting location data every three seconds. Their experiments suggest that the small brain bugs are capable of solving complex routing issues, skillfully contending with what's known as the traveling salesman problem. So traveling salespeople uh, learn the fastest route from point A to point B to point C. The most efficient paths are not always the most direct, nor are they necessarily the same coming and going from a single location. The challenge is to find a route that visits each destination while traveling the shortest possible distance. The study's coordinator, zoologist Lars Chitka, explained this conundrum in a statement. Uh, this is going to be more for the British listeners. <laughs> uh, imagine a salesperson from London who needs to call it... By the way, uh, the, the writer of this article in court uh, wrote sales and then person in square brackets. Ah, like, he's like this person's... <laughs> yeah, uh, clearly, clearly they said salesman, and they're like, we're going to change <laughs> yeah, yeah. that to person. And also, but we're going to put it in square brackets because we're rigorous about quoting uh, them accurately, and yeah, we want to make Our sure- style guide says so. And let's also admit that a traveling salesperson is not going to pay London rent, so they're probably living... So they're not originating from London anyway, sure. but carry on. There, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they need to call at Manchester, Leeds, Glasgow, Edinburgh, and Inverness before returning home. From Manchester, it's tempting to make the short trip across to Leeds, and from Glasgow, it's tempting to visit Edinburgh. But the salesperson who does that will soon find themselves stranded in Inverness with a very long drive home. The better solution is to travel up one side of the UK and return down the other. Past research that looked at only the order in which small foragers like birds and bees arrive at each destination show they often find optimal solutions but couldn't explain how the animals decrease flight times. To figure that out, the bee research team set up five artificial flowers, which were not as attractive as real flowers, but did That's offer the bees short sell sweet these nectar. Artificial flowers. They were but pretty they, good. But they put out. Okay. They put yeah. out sweet nectar. <laughs> Scientists then tracked the insects over two days as they explore the paths and develop roots. Like people, bees are creatures of habit. The study's bees establish favorite paths early and... F- follow them regularly, limiting exploration with time. They also became better navigators with each flight, changing route sequences to improve speed from one feeder to another until they found the best paths and becoming increasingly adept at their favorite flights. They never, however, became completely set in their ways. They are our betters. (laughs) The, The research team believes their work can inform a few different fields of study. Uh... 
very different effect. For one, it improves understanding of how bees and other pollinating insects search for food and operate, which can help humans minimize risk posed by habitat loss and, ing- and increased agriculture. The study also adds to a growing body of knowledge on animal cognition used to test both animal and human brains. Finally, the researchers say their findings could come in handy for technologists developing machines that navigate. In the future, when your GPS tells you to turn left, you may have a bee to thank for the information. One bee. What's his name? It's just a bee in your car. <laughs> Maynard P. B. Yeah. who's going to tell you. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Is, B. Thank you, B. Listen, because this Thank is, you, B. And thank you, Sean Robinson, for emailing that in. Is the bee going to try to get me to take a jaunty left with no stoplight across six lanes of Wilshire Boulevard? <laughs> yeah. Does the bee write for ways? The trouble. <laughs> oh, God. You always end up at just like a giant honey tanker that's dumped over <laughs> on the side of get another rollover. Everybody's car would, is would they, But would they go get... Do, do, would they, do, are they, are they, they go to poo? honey? They that's kind of what I'm wondering. Yeah. 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 That's, if you've got a bear navigator... He that's what I... Yeah, there it is. <laughs> the traveling sales bear. <laughs> yeah. And this is how we pitched... Hey, you got to have yeah. honey to make honey. That's true. It's, you got to prime the pump, yeah. This is how Andy sold Pixar's bear navigator. <laughs> Isn't that Paddington 2? Isn't that what it's about? P2, baby. In theaters now. Is it in theaters now? I'm assuming you've seen it so many times already. I I have not. As a matter of national pride. I've yet to see Paddington (laughs) 2. I do, however, know half of the cast of both Paddington's 1 and 2. What? Oh, yeah. Because it's all full of British sketch comedians. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Anybody we've had in the show? What's that? Anyone we've had in the show? Uh, I don't think so, actually. Oh, speaking of that, everybody's saying the new Jumanji is actually really good. I saw it last night. Why wouldn't it be? Past guest Karen Gillan. I mean, I don't know. I just wouldn't have gotten... I wouldn't wouldn't have thought I'd want to go see a a movie starring The Rock that's based on... A lot lot of fun. A lot of heart. Do you know know the other Rock movie movie they're making? Rampage. They made a movie. The video game? Out of the video video game game Rampage. It's based on Godzilla and King Kong that already was... It's based on uh, an experiment that makes animals really big. So there's a giant monkey... Uh, which The Rock is, of course, a scientist in it. Okay. And he teaches a monkey to Oh, talk. I did see. Yeah, I saw and that And then the monkey gets irradiated. And, they, and, and it gets huge and they got to send him to. Right. Yeah. Oh, and is have you seen any... the movie of the game Downfall? <laughs> I don't get is it. that the one where. Oh, 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 is that the Hitler thing? Where the Hitler is in the bunker? And, yeah, yeah, it's so different from the well, game. That's essentially. <laughs> has almost nothing to do that's with That's basically Castle Wolfenstein, so you're not that far off. <laughs> I mean, like, it's weird. Cause I don't know how they went from, like, marbles falling down a little twisty things <laughs> to, to Hitler's final <laughs> moments in the bunker, but I really. <laughs> it's a loose interpretation. Yeah, there is no, there's no, there's no brand that that will not eventually be mined for a fucking big release. At least Dig Dug, there's going to be a movie probably. Um, oh yeah, like Paperboy. What, yeah, uh, it what writes is, itself. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, both Paddington is directed by Paul King, who directed The Mighty Boosh and loads of other comedic comedy oh, shows, wow. and co-written by Simon Farnaby, who's also a comedy sketch comedy guy and three-time winner of most British name of all time. Yeah. Yep. Well, no, that's that's still Benedict yeah, Cumberbatch. That's still Benedict Cumberbatch. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, it's, I should just say three-time runner-up. It's clearly the way to go for but Simon Farnaby. He also directed uh, Garth Marenghi as well. Oh, awesome! That's one of my favorite things ever. Yeah, um, I think he definitely did the live version. I think he did the TV version too. There was a live version of. It started as a Edinburgh show. Oh, cool! It won the Perrier Award in I think two thousand and uh, maybe it was two. 2001 something like that and then made the critical mistake of driving to Inverness only to face a long drive all the way back to to London and uh, yeah Um, speaking of those kind of things we usually do some kind of like at least brief uh, 
year-end recap of some of our favorite stuff. Do you think we have a few minutes to everyone can just recommend a thing or two from 2017 that didn't suck? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Is it hard? Yeah. I don't know. There was a lot of good movies and a lot of good TV. Oh, there was a lot of good TV. I will join... Okay, nobody's talking about this show. What? Smilf. Do you know about Smilf? Uh, I've seen the billboard. Smilf is so good. Yeah? Is it really? It's so different. You've never seen it. And Rosie O'Donnell... Is oh, shit, unbelievable. She's due for a quick Rosie, solid. It's, it's, it's going to do for Rosie O'Donnell what uh, Baskets did for Louis Anderson. Anderson. It's just, it's so good. It's on, what is it on? It's on it's Showtime on or something? It's on Showtime. All right. And it's so weird. You've just never seen anything like it before. This is good to know. Yeah. I'm going to join the loud, loud, well, minority loud chorus of people recommending. It was the last season of Halt and Catch Fire uh, oh. this year. There's four seasons of 10 episodes each, so it is not a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts... Have the first half of the first season, it's a little bit of that 2013 peak TV, Mad Many kind of a mysterious guy, and then it it turns, it passes the Bechdel test with so many flying colors. It is about the emerging technology of the 80s. It is so good, cool. so halt and catch fire. And it point, wraps yeah. up neatly, like it's it, satisfied four seasons and it's done, done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, and it's one of those things that was constantly had the sort of Damocles hanging over it. So even more impressive that they sort of managed to give it what could have been a satisfying ending every single season, oh. but still do something the next year that was meaningful and makes sense I'm, I'm that leapt forward in time. And it's, and it's a, a very worth your time. Nice. I will check that out. Uh, Lego Batman, hardest I've laughed in a theater. It's so funny, but who is that movie made for Andy? I don't know. Who is that movie made <laughs> for? Yeah. I, right? Yeah. Cause it's so funny. It's the little lobster Thermidor. Like, it's <laughs> just I haven't seen that either. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Fargo is such a great show every season. So good. Oh, and what did I not get about Ingrid Goes West? I didn't see Everybody it. I know that I respect liked it, and I just Don't I feel know. like there's something wrong with me. Don't know. Guys, write in and tell Augie what he's missing yeah, what, about. What am yeah. I missing yeah. about this? Yeah. It's, it's It did seem like one for the for the Instagram generation. What's it even about? I don't it's It's a woman that uh, internet uh, stalks a girl, so she comes to L.A. and becomes her friend. And everything, everything exactly what you think would happen happens. And oh, okay, no, yeah. that doesn't sound that great. Well, not the way I pitch it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that isn't the way it that it was pitched <laughs> sold to whoever room. got it made. Yeah, yeah. By the way, the one thing from 2017 I wish I could have seen is the Louis C.K. movie because Jesus. Right. Like the, the screeners, the he... screeners got sent out, so it's it's around. Oh, really? I didn't get it. it I think. Oh, when, wherever I was on the screeners list, I I was too far after down. The cut this is yeah. the one where Louis leads the people into the gas chambers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> is that the movie? Metaphorically, mm-hmm. but he wrote a character yeah. that was doing he what he was off doing. Yeah. That's literally what he wrote. I mean, <laughs> the Charlie day Louis' career died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the if I did it of yes. uh, of movies of like OJ book, black and white right. pseudo yeah. Woody Allenism. Which yeah. I was, then I was also telling someone about if I did it the other day, and I realized, imagine your wife was killed by someone who isn't you, who was never found. Is there any scenario where eventually you write a book about how you would have done it if it was you? Yeah, there's absolutely 100% a scenario. I'm completely broke, and someone offers me $10 million to write a book. And also, a complete I, fiction about how... Yes, of course. And yeah. also, it's, I think it was, don't you think it was kind of a fuck you? Like, uh, I, yeah. I don't know what it was. Yeah, Goldman. You can't get Suck me it. now. You yeah. can't. I think if you're, exactly. that, if you think you're crazy enough to kill your wife, which you clearly did, you're crazy enough to think it's a good idea. But to, then there's, you have some yes man who's like, well, yeah, we're going to go to press. We're going to publish this yeah. book. But there's a story like, behind it because I think, trees, uh, I think it was actually published by the Goldman family, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Oh, they got the money. They got the whole thing. They got the money for it. So that's why the... 
the, the cover for it just says, I did it with a giant F. Or the tiny, <laughs> or F. tiny F. Yeah. 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 That's okay, sneaky. I love that they But then, then they pulled lost... it because I don't think you can get it anymore. I think eventually that I don't think it was sold. I don't, I don't think it was ever sold. See, right? the, the Louis C.K.'s movie, those both exist in this uh, world of pop culture that like had to get shelved. Like Kevin Spacey's scenes from uh, All the Money in the World, the which I hear world. is amazing with Christopher Plummer replacing yeah. him last minute. They spent like $10 million to reshoot all of his scenes. Well, oh, I didn't. Wait a minute. Saying, that was originally Spacey? Christopher Plummer could that was win Spacey. Oscar for it. Previews were out with Spacey yeah. in them. Shut they, up. I shit you not. They were filming. I, I, I heard they were filming Christopher Plummer scenes the day before Thanksgiving. And that what? movie hit theaters. They delayed it two days, so it hit theaters like December twenty first. That's whatever. amazing. That's amazing. That yeah. is amazing. They just went because literally Ridley Scott went and said, "Listen, I've got the sets, I've got the lighting, everything's already done. Just get me fucking Christopher Plummer and put him in a suit." And they I reshot all that stuff. I love it. I have a feeling that the way the movie—I have not having seen the movie set yet—I'm I, I, guessing that most of it is J. Paul Getty alone. On the phone and things I, like that. Anyway, are they going to do that? Well, with he's all Paul Kevin Spacey. He's Jay Paul Getty. Oh, they're going to do that. With which every what, Kevin which Spacey was Spacey in all yeah, these the old, old age prosthetics? Then even so better, now you just get a ninety-two-year-old right, man yeah. to do it. Got Plummer in Seven is going to be great. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they retconned him into all <laughs> of them. K-Pax starring Christopher Plummer. They're a thriving industry. Be like those people. You know, there's like the guy who got rich because he was like the voice of Ross in Friends in Germany when they redubbed it. And then they wouldn't recast, so everything... And then if David Schwimmer did a commercial, it was like, you got to get this guy. He's the voice of that yeah. guy. If Christopher Blummer's late, late career swan song. Like the guy, the guy who was Saddam Hussein throughout everything in the 90s, he was oh, Saddam yeah. Big Lebowski. Yeah, that Whenever guy. Whenever pop culture needed a Saddam Hussein, I think he was also in the... What was the Top Gun parody? Uh, Hot, Hot, Shots. Hot Shots. Or Hot he Shots was, Part he got, he got so big that at some point there was an episode of JAG where they're shooting... Uh, I mean, it's it's a fictional show, obviously, but they have a set they've built of an Iraqi courtroom, and someone was tasked with getting an actual picture of Saddam Hussein, and this person accidentally got a picture, got a picture of that of the guy. Actor. <laughs> so, like, he's not even in Jag, but he's on the wall in a courtroom As scene. Saddam, in, yeah. So there's Science. this movie called. Uh, <laughs> uh, one other thing from this year, because uh, there's a movie called uh, "Call Me by Your Name" that everybody. Loves. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. It's basically about exactly what Kevin Spacey was thrown out of Hollywood for. It's about Ooh. a love story between a twenty-something guy and a seventeen-year-old. Really? And it's exactly mm-hmm. what it's about. Well, like, except Kevin Spacey 17, was 14. accused of non-consensual. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I'd I'll say I thought because have you seen "Call Me by Your Name"? So more like Roy Moore. I, I thought I the exact thing you're talking about going in. I was, and I still even coming out of it. Part of it, it's in Italy, which the age of consent is a different thing. Part of it, the way the parents deal with it, it it does. Seventeen and fourteen is a pretty different. No, yeah. he's like twenty four, twenty five, and uh, the kid seventeen. And the kid seventeen. Uh, so yeah. and, and it bugged the shit out of me. I couldn't get past it. But yeah, it's like we've, it, are, we've it, decided it, in this country eighteen, but there's still states. It did seven, stick in my craw the, enough that I was like, I'm not. I thought it was a fucking amazing movie, but I'm not going to do the backflips I would do because right. of exactly what you're talking. And about. And why not just make him eighteen? What, just make him point, 18, and then it's, it's out of the way, kind of, but and that, I'm fine with it. By the way, who do we get to re-sing matters. all the old statutory songs? Uh, she was just 17, you right. know what I mean? Or she's only right. 17. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Young 16, girl, yeah. get out 18. of my heart. <laughs> 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 In Christopher Plummer's voice. She was just 18. You know what I mean? In that, I mean, in that one, that motherfucker says, my love for you is yeah. way out of line. You would know it. You admitted it in the song. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's so consenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stand so close to me, but you could if you wanted to, because technically 
You're 18. It's fine. And who just died this year? Was it Chuck Berry who uh, had songs about that and also did that? Well, no. Oh, Chuck, definitely did that. Chuck yeah. Berry put cameras in the toilets in his restaurant. Is oh, is that Chuck? Ba- oh, is that who just died this year? So yeah, of, yeah, yeah, both yeah. of those things are true. So uh, you're telling me that Chuck Berry had such. Uh, uh, a strong feeling about cleanliness that yes. he went the extra mile. He okay. wanted to yeah. make sure yeah. those employees she washed their hands. No expense. Yeah, <laughs> they they love also Tsumanos, and I think that that's fine. <laughs> Sorry for mangling that Spanish. Es la ley. Yeah. Jellyfish sleep. Okay, jellyfish. What? Jellyfish sleep. Christine Williams sent this story in. It was actually for a few months ago. I thought that was. She like said, voiced. "I don't know if you stu- if you." Uh, if you discussed this, I might have missed it because I don't get much sleep thanks to my new baby. Uh, we haven't discussed it, Christine Williams. Um, so you are right to think we hadn't. Jellyfish snooze just like the rest of us. Like humans, mice, fish, and flies, the upside-down jellyfish Cassiopeia exhibits the telltale, telltale sign of sleep, scientists report uh, in the journal Current Biology. But unlike other animals that slumber, jellyfish don't have a central nervous system. Uh, they're an animal completely without a brain. It's the first example of sleep in animals without a brain, says study co-author Paul Sternberg. I didn't know. I thought we'd talked about this with uh, Dr. Matt Walker. Well, and- we talked about... Um, I know that he, they discover things like... Um, I don't know if you call it sleep, but... A, a version of like low activity. Is that just a period of, of yeah, inactivity at that point? One of the fascinating things that Matt Walker told us was how ubiquitous, how universal sleep is in that even things like bacteria have phases in their daily life cycle where their activities are reduced. Mm-hmm. That whatever sort of you call their metabolic processes are operating at a lower rate and lower right. speed. Hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, I guess this is actually... Uh, scientists have long debated why animals sleep. Um, these These findings push the origin of sleep further down the evolutionary tree of life to before the emergence of a central centralized nervous system. So theories as to why animals sleep involve everything from memory to learning to cellular recovery, but Sturberg wants to answer something seemingly more basic. The big question is, do all animals sleep? It's a controversial subject. All vertebrates that scientists have studied do sleep, but whether the same is true for invertebrates is a mystery. Researchers have demonstrated that the fruit flies sleep, uh... And apparently, Sternberg and others have argued that a roundworm called um, Canorhabditis elegans does as well. But not everyone is convinced. And sleeping more primitive animals, like sponges and jellyfish, is even more nebulous. They wanted to find this out once and for all. So Sternberg and his graduate student, Ravi Nath, teamed up with friends at Caltech who studied Cassiopeia, which is a mostly mostly stationary jellyfish native to mudflats, mangrove swamps, and other warm, shallow waters. Caltech biologist Leah Guentoro kept tanks of the jellies living in the artificial seawater in her lap. These are... They don't look like typical jellyfish. They're silver dollar-sized, splotched with pigment, and rest upside down on the seafloor, with tentacles curled above bell-shaped bodies. The jellies resemble miniature heads of cauliflower, but they pulse like other jellyfish, contracting and relaxing in a steady rhythm. And Nath and his colleagues wondered if the behavior was continuous. So they went in at night and videotaped them with an iPhone. (laughs) It's very high-tech. Oh, I guess it is both high and low tech kind of weirdly similar. Yeah, yeah. An iPhone is very high tech, but it also seems like a weird thing to use for a scientific study. Yeah. 
Um, after recording the jellies for a minute at night and a minute during the day, the team manually counted individual pulses and got their first clue that Cassiopeia might be sleeping. They pulsed less frequently at night. The researchers then created an image processing program to count the pulses of 23 jellies over six consecutive days and nights. Pulsing activity ebbed at night, as the researchers observed earlier, but a little food dropped in the tanks could quickly wake the jellies up again. It's like the odor of coffee permeating a consciousness in the morning, Sternberg says. Such an easy wake-up is a sign that Cassiopeia's sluggish nighttime behavior is due to sleep, not paralysis or coma. Why would anybody think it was one of those two? <laughs> <laughs> I get paralyzed it goes into a coma. Well, you gotta, you gotta, yeah. Boy, talk about the shit end of marine biology is studying a swamp jellyfish, right? These like your friends are all jetting off to Australia to see a shark breach or something like that. You're stuck in waders in a swamp looking looking at your iPhone video. Well, it gets more exciting because they spotted a second sign of sleep after dropping the floor out from dozing jellies. The team placed Cassiopeia inside a PVC pipe with a mesh bottom and then dipped the pipe into the tank so the submerged jellies rested on the mesh instead of the tank floor. Then the researchers lowered the pipe deeper into the tank, forcing the jellies to lift off the mesh and float in open water. They don't like that, Sternberg explains. (laughs) (laughs) During the day, Cassiopeia will quickly pulse their belts and swim down to rest on the mesh again. But at night, it takes them about three minutes longer to start pulsing. It's like the jellyfish are a little groggy, he says. This delayed response to stimulation is typical for sleeping animals. So their job was just fucking with tired jellyfish for a couple. Right. I just, I just picture. I swear to God, I hope there's just one guy who hasn't published in a while, needed a win, and somewhere there's footage of him just dumping night quill into a jellyfish tank. <laughs> we're gonna fucking. We're gonna. They're gonna sleep. We're gonna get this one. Well, get your uh, iPhone, Billy. Uh, He's old school with chloroform on a napkin. Like, <laughs> they did actually fuck with them more. Uh, uh, like other animals that sleep, jellyfish that pull on all night are pay for it the next morning. <laughs> Nath and the colleagues squirted tiny jets of water mm-hmm. at Cassiopeia for six or twelve hours at night, Ooh. and then counted the jellies' pulses the next day. They're less active after losing sleep, Nath says, but after they catch up on their sleep, they return to normal. These results suggest that Cassiopeia do indeed sleep, but for Sternberg, the result is also sparking more questions. Do you need neurons to sleep, he asked. Do you need perhaps more than one cell to sleep? He'd like to study sponges or even protozoa next, and perhaps push the origin of sleep back even further. Sounds like he was making these jellyfish, like, pledge a jellyfish fraternity or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Jelly Hell Week. Slash torture. Yeah. Well, it's a six of one half dozen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And by the way, if listeners haven't, I think we plugged this episode many times, but uh, three or four years ago we had... Dr. Matt Walker on our show, and it was a really interesting it's, look at it's sleep. It's one of my favorite episodes. It's a live yeah. episode we did at the San Francisco Sketchfest Festival. I've heard him on your guys' show, and I've heard him on other shows, and he, I just think he's fascinating. He's great. He just put out a new book. Uh, we'll link to that as well. But yeah. it's um, His episode of Fresh Air, uh, plugging that book, was the most yeah. downloaded episode of Fresh Air of the year. It was, so, it was great. He, we had a live episode. It was him and... You know, we I can't remember how even we got him as a guest. I think that was your find. But uh, we, it was through um, Chris... Have we had Chris on? My friend Chris wrote, who works at Google. He had done a talk at Google, so we but hooked it up through that. We knew yeah. we were going to be doing an episode about sleep, and we were like, well, this could be quite dull, but we've also got Kurt Brownola, uh, who's yeah. one of the funniest Never people dull. alive. So we're like, all right, well, this will be a good episode, whatever, and we'll just get the sleep guy on and see how it goes. And we could have done 
four hours with him. Yeah. It was both a fascinating topic and he's great and really interesting and really uh, informative and informed. And you, I guess one of the first things you, one of the first things that strikes you when we start talking to him is how important sleep must be because, and we talked about this about a month or two ago as well when he, when he came up on the show, but yeah, yeah. sleep, sleep is such a bad idea from an evolutionary point of view. Sure. Sleep seems to be the worst possible thing. It goes against every... Render yourself defenseless for large periods of time. It's it's a third of the day during which you are much less able to defend yourself. You're not seeking food, shelter, or reproductive mates. Like, all of the things that drive survival of your genes are reduced or even eliminated during the sleep period, which means that... (coughs) For it have to have survived all of evolution means it must be, be extraordinarily so. important. It must be so important to trump all and, of those negative well, things. And we're not evolving past it. I mean, no. look at all the other stuff we're evolving past. Exactly. The fact that it's the fact that it's seen in uh, every species. Wait, what? We're getting. <laughs> we're well, I say evolving past it. There wasn't. There wasn't a very good sentence, but I mean, we're getting bigger, stronger, faster. We're smarter. Are we're we? able to do more stuff. Oh yeah. Yes, we're much bigger. We're bigger, we're much stronger, bigger. faster than when. Than, then, like, any time. We're the fastest we've ever been. We're the biggest we've ever tried been. Tried to walk through a we're doorway from, like, the 1700s? They're very short. What, what's the what's the top uh, mile time right now? There you what go. was it 20 years ago? Well, okay, well, I mean, years if you're, if you're that. talking about, like, the end of the And how much, can, how much weight can we lift? We, I love it. It's like, he can lift it, therefore we all can. What? We no, lifted saying, that weight, not that one, one guy outlier. Did. Yeah, one guy did. I would argue that if our, just because our outliers are getting... Are pushing we live longer. We absolutely live longer. We're absolutely bigger. Um, are we 100% We're more bigger? famous than we used we're to be? <laughs> way more famous than we used to be. We all have way more Twitter followers. Yeah, back then. yeah. yeah we have we're more Twitter followers more than at, at, almost, almost any point in history. history. And with all that sleep, we're we still woke. We finally moved into our own apartment. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We're the most woke generation. <laughs> yeah. We got rid of that old Saturn that was doesn't work in that right, well. Exactly. The humanity's doing great. We all did that. Guys, we this all, did that. We <laughs> had a couple kids. This has been an yeah. invention we to make Augie and Andy feel like they're doing okay. We got okay. that new yucca plant that looks nice <laughs> by the window there. It does look nice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to comment on that. It just makes me feel less like I started. We started wearing French life. cuffs a lot more, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good time to be a human. Anyway, but we don't seem to be evolving past sleep. Yeah, well, but, yeah. We've been donating much. to the Probably Science podcast by clicking been. on the link on the SquarespacePowerProblemScience.com yeah. website. A surprising number of people, including Mark Williams, Matthew Arnold, Drew Chapman, Rosalie Simonich, Callum Gleason, Caroline Laco, Brooks Gilmore, John Clarici, Clarici, Sean Gordon, Kate Birch, Patrick Shalkley, Destruction Lane, Zvonimir Croons, Stuart Holding, Karen Meeburn, Quipsource, Leanne Mejier, Peter Lipchi, Keith Statenfield, Stephen Edmonds, Emma Wilton, so many great people. Those all gave us monthly donations. We also had... Including Zvonimir the Croons who upped his monthly donation. Oh, thank you. You just doubled your monthly donation. Uh, Pandora Young has a do- monthly donation and gave us Pandora a Pandora Young is the, the best most awesome name. Listeners. Solid name, right? Solid donation. Uh, one off from Mitchell McGill. Thank you, Mitchell. LeBron James sent us uh, wow. <laughs> a non-trivial amount of money. I'm sure it's that, LeBron. Um, Kyle... I'm sure I've got to say, you're very generous for most probably science listeners. <laughs> very stingy for, yeah, for yeah, LeBron James. <laughs> uh, and then a very, very, very generous one-off donation from Kyle Bragg. Thank you, Kyle. He said he only recently found out about the podcast, and he's been binge listening to it throughout his work days. So um, thank you, Kyle. That was really nice of you. Uh, and again, you can go to probablyscience.com and click on donate if you want to throw us a few bucks. 
Um, and you can also email stories to probablyscience at gmail.com or tweet at probablyscience, which we always appreciate. You guys, uh, this year should do a science project, a year-long science project. Oh, yeah? What should it be? Well, I don't know. Like, you know, they do the thing where you make the volcano, whatever. But you could do something... A like, year-long... Like, big, bigger than that. It's just, I'm just... Actually, it does feel like a natural idea for an audience meetup to do, yeah, like, an egg drop for... competition. What? Have we considered that? Hmm... Maybe let's let me yeah, let's get let's have a uh, think about this. Maybe email us or tweet us uh, at probably science probably science gmail dot com. A if science you, fair. If you, you have any ideas, science, probably science yeah, fair. We could find a little park. Augie will make burgers. Yeah, I volunteered Augie to make burgers. Do a little little science project. Everybody do a little something. But culminating in some sort of science and a prize. I, whether there could it's be a prize. I've never the winner gets to be a guest. You've never done us. Oh, we yeah. I mean, I feel like I would just go very low tech. And- they did one at uh, JPL recently, and I remember them saying that it was like, well, the 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 landing team, of course, like had the leg up, you know, yeah, yeah. like that's what they work on, soft landings. But what are the you rules know what these are? Yeah, the idea is how, how materials how wise, you can, uh, I think that's the thing is, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to figure out a set of materials, you know, whatever you can't it is. Just a, keep wrapping a bo- wrap. No, I okay. think it's X amount of popsicle sticks and a box, and oh, you know, two right. sheets of paper or whatever, and then everyone's got to drop from whatever 15, 20 feet, and you see. Yeah, or increasing heights or whatever, and see see who can do it. I like that kind of project because, like, I feel like, of course, the landing team would probably win, but it's one of those things where you would, you would think it's possible for someone to just happen upon a thing that gets lucky and wins. Oh sometimes, yeah, you know, like it's not like you always would. Go oh, to that's the-, the way I play. I have a bridge building game on iPhone. Have you seen these like no, no. physics based bridge building games? So oh no, just I like, love that idea. That's they're cool. really. And I'll show you as an engineer. There's a certain amount of you get materials per bridge, and you have to complete challenges, and it's just. I'm like a monkey tapping it with, I have so little like weight based physics knowledge. So I'm just like putting girders places yeah, that yeah, look yeah. cute. Make, making until, triangles. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Until I luck it. Yeah. The, the, literally the, the epitome of my knowledge is like, well, I've heard triangles are better yeah. and that's it until you try to get the little car to go across the bridge without the bridge breaking. It's it I actually have a, a bridge burning game uh, on my iPhone. It's called, it's called it's my called, social media. Oh, my contacts <laughs> list. <Everybody. laughs> you <Right>. bastard. <laughs> Sorry I jumped on you. I should have let you have that one. <laughs> Boy, oh boy. Um, what was I going to say related to that? Oh, yeah. I just wanted to thank all the listeners for sticking with us. We're coming up on six years in six a couple years. Wow. And 2017 was the first year we topped a million downloads on the year, which is oh, wow. that's, that's something that's pretty cool. That's, yeah. that's amazing. I mean, it's a year. That is but still, really a million, amazing. You know? Per that's, episode. Uh, per episode. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like no. you're burying the lead by not mentioning that right away. <laughs> thank you, listeners. What, you are the best. If I may ask a question, what we're thinking yes. about, what makes... Did your listeners send in stories, and that's what drives a lot of the things? Other than, I mean, in my six or seven times in the show, obviously, animal sex stories mm-hmm. tend sure, to crop sure. up. Now what makes a what makes a prime? If someone's going to send something in, what's going to catch your guys' eye to get on? Interspecies oh, sex, three D printing, um, graphene, uh, exoplanets. Okay, um, graphene, uh, psychological experiments that involve. Um, chocolate. No, I don't. I don't know. What What are the psych? The things that usually end up because so many psychological experiments end up being the interesting ones that end up being debunked pretty quickly. It seems like so. Those are always like right. fun to talk about. The more interesting like, it sounds, oh, like the more was, it's yeah, sure. Sure, this wasn't that. Uh, um, but yeah, definitely, three D printing has been uh, from from the get go. For some reason, that's always been something. I mean, and we've never once gotten our hands on a three D printer in, in six years. Maybe that's what we should do: is have some fun with a three D printer. Yeah, rent well, one. Let's have a think. Uh, listeners, if you have any good ideas, send in... Ooh, maybe you... everyone has a half hour on the 3D printer to make 
whatever they're going to drop their egg in. I'm not going to give up this egg drop idea. Oh, guys. yeah, yeah. No, actually, so, a 3D printed <laughs> egg drop, uh, that's a really, yeah. yeah. You could kind of design the vessel that it's going to go in or whatever, maybe. Holy shit. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, how slow are these things? They're pretty slow. I think they're pretty slow. slow. 3D printers? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen one. I've just seen one I've once seen in Comic-Con they always have messing around. I have yeah, like a, a phone Western. case made out of one or whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, do we have time for one more story, I think, Mo, I or? think so. Do you like, um, well, okay, it's, it is New Year's, people are making resolutions, and a lot of people's resolutions include diet and exercise, things that aren't fun, uh, and again, this is a psychology story, but like, I think this is actually, this one has a takeaway that is intuitive and, and seems legit, so it's hard to make yourself exercise because exercise is painful and feels crappy, right? Right. Everyone wants a way to make it feel less so, and maybe you would exercise more if it didn't feel crappy. Um, yeah, I guess only about half of Americans report meeting the government's exercise recommendations. I'm surprised even that. The government has exercise right? They're left over from Schwarzenegger when he was the uh, exercise czar or Did whatever he was under Reagan. Four Ray hours a day. Yeah. You guys all do the presidential fitness test? In yeah, school? that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. When, the worst was those pull-ups. I couldn't do any. I, I don't remember. Any I just remember the thing. And I was still in the, like, the top 80% or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure half a pull-up is still like... Uh, you're one percenter. Um, so, yeah, some people love to exercise, but plenty more do not. And urging them on with uh, information about how healthy exercise can be, how healthy exercise can be, hasn't been shown to sway the masses. This is a story Jake Young sent in. Yeah. So scientists are exploring a, a different idea. Let's make exercise feel better. And uh, to do that, they're looking past the advice to just find something you enjoy and instead looking at ways to exploit the way we experience exercise. I'll tell you what kind of exercise hey, feels good. Mm-hmm. I know how to burn some... Ca- Dear uh, women. Oh, oh. <laughs> so most people feel better after the exercise, but that doesn't seem to matter in terms of their future activity. Uh, Ryan Rhodes, a professor of exercise psychology at University of Victoria, who co-authored a review of how people feel during and after exercise, said... If you want to make exercise enticing, you have to make it more pleasurable. Research by David M. Williams, a clinical psychologist and professor at Brown, and his colleagues has shown that how you feel during exercise predicts both current and future physical activity levels. So the good news is the feel of the exercise can be manipulated. Behavioral economist Daniel Kahneman and and psychologist Barbara Fredrickson developed the peak-end rule, which holds that people judge events not by the overall experience, but by some combination of how they feel at the most extreme part and at the end of the event. So, for example, they had subjects immerse their hands in 57-degree water for 60 seconds and separately do the same thing with the other hand but tack on an additional 30 seconds while slightly warming the water to a temperature of 59. And given a choice, the subjects opted to repeat the longer trial. So experiences that end with a bad part are likely to be recalled as unpleasant or more unpleasant than if a miserable part comes towards the beginning, even if the average discomfort is the same. So typically in exercise, uh, it feels crappier and crappier as the exercise goes on, especially if you're not in shape. Because you get more and more burnt right, out. Right, mm-hmm. So uh, researchers, there's so many researchers in this article, uh, Pantalemon Ekakakis, Zachary sure. Zenko, and Dan Ariely wondered what would happen if the usual workout script were flipped. They showed in a study published last year that among 46 adults, those who completed a cycling section cycling session structured so the intensity ramped down providing a positive slope of pleasure felt more pleasant after exercise remembered their exercise to be more pleasant predicted that future exercise sessions would be more pleasant and enjoyed their exercise more so basically if you make it hard the beginning and then have the trail end of your exercise 
be less intense. Yeah. Your overall. So don't. Here's the thing. The number one thing that you need to keep in mind, and this is from me, TJ Chambers, when you walk into a gym, is. Don't warm up. No. <laughs> just no. go straight no, onto the biggest weight machine you can. <laughs> Grab the heaviest weight you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And just start, just start jerking it. it. Yeah. Just yep. Clean, it. jerk, whatever it is. And then, you know, maybe and treadmill. don't lift with your legs. No, no, no. That's, that's great. You want to catch all that weight right there on your lower back <laughs> right. and then pop that back up. And the shoulders. Up. Back and that's shoulders. That's how it works. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's a Did general takeaway. Did you describe one of the people as a behavioral economist? Did I hear that wrong? I heard, so I heard you at one you point that. say behavioral... Yeah, behavioral econ- economists. <laughs> I mean, that's... No, but economics really is the study of choices. Yeah, whether that's it's... That's what economics is, is like just human okay. human choices. And is there an advantage to be gained by doing this or that thing? Yeah. Kind of that... That makes sense. All right. So... I mean, I have a pretty laissez-faire behavioral economic policy <laughs> over here. I think my record speaks clearly on that one. I'm hands off trying to find other takeaways that are tangible from this but basically the overall thing is to uh you'll feel better about a workout remember it as being less horrible and want to do it again more if you like if you're going to be in a relationship yeah start the relationship by cheating on the person and getting in a huge fight preferably and then end it with everything going pretty well yeah yeah buy the flowers at the last minute right right? yeah (laughs) let them see the worst part of you right away Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm That's why the uh, Normandy scene is at the beginning of Saving Private Ryan. Yes. <laughs> and it and all the rest of it is just there. a good old time. It makes yeah. me want to go to World makes, War II. Yeah. Maybe I remembered it as a wholly positive experience. So That's yeah. why the twister's in the beginning of... No, no I'm not going to keep going with that. But that is, I will say, for a scientist... <laughs> that, that is a reasonable... For a science... That's a nugget-sized takeaway of a thing that actually makes sense to me that I can wrap my dumb, dumb brain around. Yeah, I mean, I don't know yeah. what that would, whatever that means for you. Maybe at the end you're just going like uh, on an exercise bike on a low setting and not mm-hmm. going that hard for the last 15 minutes or something. Yeah, so then you're just not, like, sit and text on your phone for a few minutes sure. at the end of the exercise bike. and Whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Yeah, I don't, do you guys have resolutions as far as activity or anything, or anything at all? Uh, I wish I could uh, stick to stuff like that. It's uh, so because of the sleep guy. I found out that if you don't get enough sleep, uh, you're more likely to put on weight than if you exercise. And right. like, it, so if you get a regular amount of sleep, That's you're better as... off losing weight than you are not getting enough sleep and working out a lot. Is what I took away from the. There's got to be some line where those two cross. If, right. Okay. Right. Sure. Nope. I sleep all day. <laughs> all I do all day is eat and sleep. You've atrophied into basically nothing, so that actually seems to have worked. So. But but uh, so this is the thing, guys. With kids, mm-hmm. uh, you, you sleep so little and you have so little time, and there's goldfish around all the time and just shitty food. <laughs> and I, so any any dad that's in shape yeah. is a shitty dad. Okay. Okay. That's, that's what you need to know. Oh, yeah. If you see a parent that's in good shape, they're a shitty parent. <laughs> Fat parents if, give a shit. If you see an ab on a dad, that? yeah. Just- yeah, that's why he hasn't off. seen his kid in weeks. Yeah. That's why the Not dad in weeks. Is a thing. He doesn't. He doesn't read to his kids. Right. He feeds He's them out bad there doing food. Crunches. Yeah. It's dad bod is proof of of good parenting. Yeah, being yeah. a good dad. So that's what it comes down to. Keep keep it up. I need the world to know that. Yeah, the sleep thing. I can't figure out how we um, got to this place where I mean, or was it that maybe a long time ago children were raised by the whole tribe so people could get sleep because it seems crazy that everyone has to suffer through this period where you're horribly unhealthy and you can't do anything about it because you can't get more sleep when you have a baby that's yeah. crying all night. And There's nothing you can do. Yeah. How, how, how have we evolved to have this be the system? That's crazy. 
I think so no saying, advice I should as a get, father? I should get a nanny, is what you're saying. Yeah. Get well, a first nanny. First of all, you shouldn't have kids in LA. How, the, how does anybody have kids in LA? I well, don't just, you don't need that. to well, stay in LA. You <laughs> shouldn't have kids. As someone who picked up Augie to take him to the airport the other day and having recently been to his house, I can say, you don't live in LA. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that shit is deep North Hollywood, my friend. It's pretty deep. It's pretty deep. It's out yeah. there. Yeah. By the way, did you guys see the disaster artist? Oh, yeah. Loved all the oh, Hollywood looking. Yeah. All the oh, good yeah. Valley stomping grounds mm-hmm. they got in there. Yeah. Great movie. Um, and oh, that's what I got to do. I got to find that snippet of the episode when we found out that our guest's landlord is Tommy Wiseau. It was and just the, edit that. It was the, I'll tell you exactly where it was. It was uh, the very end of the Yan, the episode with Yanju. Yanju. Okay, let's what? find the number of that. Because yeah, after we'd already Wait, talked Tommy to her. Tommy Wiseau is his landlord? Her landlord, yeah. Oh she writes God. a check to Tommy Wiseau every oh, month. That's the Whoa. best. Yeah. Because we, we we did an episode with... This is a friend of mine. I, I met at Burning Man, and she's an expert in like computer and internet security. Um, and we did a whole episode where she was talking about that. Um, and then we went out for drinks afterwards. The, it was me, her, Andy, and a group of other friends joined us. And, uh, and then at some point... I think we even we ended up back at Andy's as well after the bar closed and had a few couple more drinks. And then just while we were talking, it just came up that I can't remember how. She just smacked her head and went, oh, I've got to write Tommy Wiseau oh, a check. Oh, just by the way, oh my <laughs> see my landlord is. We're like, well, we need to get out the equipment again and record yeah. some more yep. stuff. So how is last, that not the first thing you share? The last three minutes anything. of episode 189 from November of 2015, we find out about Tommy Wiseau. So you Wiseau. guys essentially did a, like... Like a the post style stop the presses. Right. Some new new information has come, yes, to light, come to light, and we cannot let this podcast out into the world without <laughs> that addendum. Yeah, and the Disaster Artist also a really fun movie. Whether or not you've seen the room, it turns super fun out. movie. I have not seen the room, but I have had a football weekly tossed at me by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> what? Yeah, he's I've heard a couple times, but he's at cons and he's stuff like circuit. that. Yeah, and he just thinks that everyone wants a football thrown at them <laughs> so you're sort of like why did this oh, hi, Eastern European exactly tight yeah. spiral you mean why no, did no, no 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 he native? sort of famously can't yeah he's so Creole through yeah. and through we just talked about Harry Connick Jr. for hours <laughs> <laughs> it was he nice some of his legendary gumbo yeah we did uh, a little second line right there around the convention awesome. all that traditional one this is inside baseball but hopefully you saw the disaster artist yes I know that Tommy Wiseau could uh, not be less New Orleansy. The Transylvania, little Transylvania. Yeah, yeah, little. He's from the Transylvania ward. <laughs> right. So go watch the Disaster Artist. Go listen to episode one eighty nine. Go uh, read Matt Walker's book. Go uh, download. Uh, that would episode- be funniest neighborhoods to live in, Little Transylvania. Yeah. Yeah. Funniest <laughs> neighborhood to live in, Little Transy. In any city. Um, download episode two of Twinsies. Oh yes, that'll be out tomorrow. If you were a fan of talking insects and, yeah. and the well, various what is it? What is twin movies, two? I could just say it's not like a thing. Yeah. It's ants and a bug's life. And this okay. is the first one that has some some real drama. This is legit. Yeah, there's like uh, this, back one, of, one of these has uh, Cats and Woody. Woody. One of these has Woody. Woody, Woody. Well, has Woody Allen in it, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, also, I just saw Coco, and now I got to go see Book of Life because there might be some shenanigans with that too. Oh, all right. Turns out Disney. How about the Capote movies? You're going to do the Capote? of course. Oh, the Capote movies yeah. are on there. For oh, sure. interesting. But did you know Coco Disney, was great? I didn't. Know. It's great, but uh, Disney tried to trademark the phrase "Dia de los Muertos." <laughs> like, no, no, Disney. Oh, no. You don't get to do that. Um, yeah, Book of Life was made by a lot more uh, Latinx, Latin, Latino oh, yeah. people. And Disney, after getting shit for having such a white uh, production, hired on more people to make it more diverse. But Book of Life came out three years ago, won a bunch of awards. And now no one seems to remember it. Coco is great, but right. um, very similar. Very Are okay. you going to do a Life of Pi and We Bought a Zoo? 
Because <laughs> <laughs> there's animals in both? Yeah. Wow, you have a tenuous yeah, grasp sure. on what our podcast is about. Maybe I'm not about. getting it. Maybe I'm not getting it. Am I not getting it? But Answer to Bugs Life. We're going to do Volcano and Tante Speak. We're Are you going to do Friends in Annie Hall? The, the, <laughs> you fucker. <laughs> the show. <laughs> They're both in New York. Yeah, they get, right? Is that, this is what sure. we're doing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, um, yeah. That, that sound you hear is me crossing out a name on the Twinsies guest list right now. <laughs> Are you going to do a Schindler's List and My Little Pony Friendship is Magic? <laughs> of course, of course. That's well, there's great. each one shocking use of the color red. Are you going to do Gone with the Wind in Highlights Magazine from when we were in elementary school? <laughs> there is a Gone with the Wind, actually. There's a Gone with the Wind one, yeah. There's, there's a Gone another... with the Wind twin movie. Uh, okay, What's hold on, I can get this. Is it Shiloh or something? Or there's something. Oh, it blew in the gray uh, miniseries. I don't know. I don't know. Well, that we could episodes. do. Well, yeah, Patrick Swayze. Um... Is it Back with the Wind? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Gone Girl and Gone with the Wind. <laughs> gone Baby Gone and Gone Girl. <laughs> the Wind in the Willows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So download, seriously, download Twinsies. We would appreciate if you guys, uh, and throw out a review if you don't mind. It would help get the word out. Augie, where, where are you coming up? Uh, the, 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 by the time this is out, uh, you guys can, hey, Peoria listeners, you guys got a big fan base. You back Peoria, at the jukebox? Right? Yeah, I'll be back at the jukebox, uh, I think like the t- weekend of the 26th or something like that. All right. Yeah. Peoria is one of those cities that just sounds like you need to fill in a funny sounding generic American city. It's the city. Peocook. It's yeah. the city that never wakes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Muncie of, uh. <laughs> Do they still have the, uh, dirt track opposite the club? Yes. Yes, across across from the comedy club is a dirt track where they uh, they race uh, uh, funny cars and, and midget. They do I never midget racing. What a funny car is! It's just a funny. It's it funny was car. it was it was just a fairly standard dirt car racing yeah. when I was there. And I but Brett Erickson showed me the the mound oh, in yeah. the parking lot of the club that you can stand on and then see over the wall. Yeah, you can. Uh, so leave it. It's dirt track across <laughs> the street. It's strip club next door. And then, I'm positive uh, Brett Erickson has a way to look into the strip club for free, too. <laughs> if there's any one person who has a way to, to skirt the system. I want to see a funny car race where they're like, no, 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 you're thinking of funny haha. This is like funny yeah, strange. strange. It's like funny yeah. off-putting. Ironic. Like, these, no, are no, ironic these are like cars. cars that make you go, mm, I don't know. <laughs> oh, Something's boy. off. And then at Augie Smith? At AugieSmith.com, yeah. Easy one. Uh, at TJ Chambers at LA. TJ Chambers LA, and I'll be at uh, SF Sketchfest the 19th through the 21st of January. Awesome. Nice. Two of you shows up there, come say hello. Uh, we are, as always, at Probably Science, individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. Give mm-hmm. us a follow. You can also donate at probablyscience.com. If That's you're not right. able to donate, you can also spread the word, tweet, Facebook, do that kind of thing. Let people know about us, spread the word, spread the joy. Uh, we will be back next week with a new episode but happy new year everyone happy, happy 2018 yes. thank you TJ and Argy see you soon